welcome everyone to uh, Running Into the Fog, Close the Distance style. Uh, we are really excited about our guest today, Mr. Jonathan Dunnett. Uh, somewhere up in the far northeast, uh, I believe it's Canada, but correct me, Jonathan, where exactly do you reside? I'm in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Okay. Which is about awesome. eight hours north-northeast of Boston, if somebody needs that as an anchor. Okay, that's a good anchor point with Boston and um, I guess here in uh, the Midwest, my Milwaukee Bucks are playing the Boston Celtics in the, oh, what are we playing? The uh, conference uh, semifinals of the NBA championship quest uh, here as we get underway. So, so, Eric, always great to be jamming with you on these. I, I noticed something missing, though, today. You, you don't have your sweet jean jacket today. Is it stuck in, like, uh, Skip Booth paraphernalia somewhere, or what's up? Yeah, unfortunately, the only excuse I have is that I have it in my laundry somewhere uh, coming back from Skip, and I should take the suggestion from my own t-shirt to suck a little <laughs> less of making sure my jean jacket is out of the laundry so I can have it on the show here, so forgive me. You look nice, right though. Right on, brother. We'll, we'll give you a pass for today. So episode 34, we're, we're reinventing, as I said last week uh, when we recorded with Good friend Lindy Smart. We're reinventing the podcast, moving to weekly tempo, taking some Q and A in the second half of the hour. Uh, the PO app introduction, you know, a bunch of stuff going on here with re, uh, running into the fog. I almost said reconverge. That's another brand of ours, but um, we'll get to that another day. Running into the fog for us, for those of you that might be tuning in for the first time, it's it's really the Johnson brothers coming together with a, a guest that we hope you get to know uh, throughout this episode and take the chance to get out and interact with, with him or her after the episode is done. Uh, no different today with Mr. Dunnett. Um, I think you're going to find his remarks, his uh, viewpoints on the, the world of business and technology and all intersections leading back to uh, the role that intelligence and insights may play in your businesses, uh, whether it be for-profit or not-for-profit, are going to be good takeaways for you uh, here this afternoon. Uh, it's May the 3rd, 2022, episode 34. Let's get it started, guys. Jonathan, thank you for coming on uh, coming on set with us. I always like to lead thanks, with this question. So much for having us. I like to lead with this question, uh, Jonathan. If you wouldn't mind for our listeners, you know, how'd you get into the intelligence game? Was there anything that you can point back to that said, "Hey, you know, it was that moment that I said this world of intel or competitive intelligence is something that I find really curious, and I want to want to see how to incorporate that into my day to day." Sure. Um, well, thank you for having me, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so my, my journey is a little bit atypical, perhaps. I, I sort of fell into the world of competitive intelligence. Um, in 2008, I was doing my business degree, and uh, a professor called me into his office and said, we have uh, a local company that's looking to have some research done. Um, do you have any interest in that? I said, well, does it pay? And so, of course, like a, uh, a starving university student, um, there, there was some pay on the other end. So I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. And um, what that led me to as I fumbled my way through the dark was actually doing a market landscape. At the time, the, the Canadian military was looking at doing an acquisition. And um, so I fumbled my way through sort of a, a profile of the various players that were expected to bid for it and um, with the ultimate outcome of who's the best, uh, 
where should we attach our wagon? What what's the right horse? And so that was a, a really interesting exercise. And um, again, very accidental. And um, about two to three years later, so I, I continued to do some work like this. And um, I stumbled across the Ning network with the competitive intelligence group. And I finally saw a definition and about competitive intelligence. And I said, hey, that's what I do. And um, so finally, I had some sort of basis in which to ground um, what it was that I was doing. But uh, so that was sort of the initial entry point. And, and um, I did a few um, consulting projects along the way, sort of post uh, business degree and education degree uh, graduation. And then uh, in 2013, in January, I went on full time with uh, then Shift Central, and uh, eventually took the the role there as lead on uh, custom research. That's a great uh, journey arc to bring you up to today, and I, I know that our listeners, Eric and I, really look forward to hearing uh, kind of what what you're up to these days. Uh, but the way in which you got into the space is is really really interesting to me. Uh, I'm going to turn it to you here in a second, Eric. What I what I want to do here publicly is thank Jonathan for. Um, you can always count on Jonathan for a thoughtful insight on whatever it might be you're polling the LinkedIn universe for. And you and I got to know each other largely in that way, right? So, you know, for a while there, I think it was November of 20 until November of 2021, I had a one-year experiment that I signed myself up for. And that would be taking some type of industry or competitive concern and I, every week, I, I try to put provocative questions out there on LinkedIn, using it as my forum, um, you know, a bit of a blog sort of format. And I, I wrote down everything from oh, ghost kitchens to uh, the way in which Zillow relied too much on AI and took the human element out of you know, the way in which pricing of homes occurred. And I could always count on you. I don't know that you missed a single week uh, throughout that for that throughout that particular year. So thank you for that, my, my friend. Eric, what do you have? My, my uh, pleasure. You ask good questions, so I, I wanted to engage. <laughs> I think that's the that's the role of intelligence, right? Not always to have the yeah, right absolutely. answers or all the answers, it's to ask the right questions. Eric, what do you got? Well, you know, I just want to say that, you know, your career in the last few years, Jonathan, has been really impressive. And it's been uh, super fun to watch you grow as a professional and reputationally and, you know, all the things that you're out there doing, you're so active and, and a real leader. And I think, um, what sort of struck me about a lot of what you've been doing the last few years, uh, the whole kind of, uh, you know, tech for good and stakeholder engagement and sort of reinventing what stakeholder capitalism even means for us. Um, and then I, your, your passion project around enable leaders, I really want to recognize and, and dig into that a little bit. I've got it queued up here for whenever you want to uh, allow me to show that on screen, if that is something you might want to do. Uh, but uh, just tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on and some of those passions of yours where you see intelligence really making a difference. Yeah, so thanks for that. Um, so I, I think there's sort of twofold. There, there's the elements of um, over the last number of years, I've been working with an organization called Venn Innovation, which is a non-for-profit, very different uh, in terms of construct compared to typically what's seen south of the border. In Canada, it's a little bit more commonplace, but um, it, it's been a really amazing opportunity to 
intercept with companies ranging from one-person startups to um, generally about medium-sized enterprises. We don't have a lot of uh, larger um, companies, sort of the 10,000 plus in this region. Um, in Canada alone, I think SMEs represent about 95 or 96 percent of all uh, employed persons to begin with. So that's sort of the uh, the, the general uh, makeup, and we're consistent with that. But uh, so it's been an amazing opportunity to work with all kinds of folks across basically every sector to intercept with them and help them understand the value of intelligence. Um, how to begin to think about their biggest problems and challenges. And, and I know, like, uh, I'll give a, a shout to uh, your conversation last week with Lindy, um, and she referenced that concept of being more uh, holistic in terms of the corporate value. And I, I think that's something that I've been able to help people with, is to see the value of whether it's through HR or technology or R&D, whatever the need is. Um, and so that's really been an area of passion for me. And um, you mentioned as well, Enable Leaders. So our um, mutual friend, uh, Babette Bensusan, was really an instrumental um, player in, in all of that because um, she actually, as you said earlier, Eric, or Derek rather, um, asked, asked really good questions. And so... We were, we were having a meeting and she said, what does 40 look like for you? And so that really sent me down this existential rabbit hole. And uh, so really the vision with this at the end of the day is to bring together, um, as you can see, the four pillars here. So behavioral economics, decision-making, leadership, and psychology. And I think more and more, as much as these are very distinct disciplines, these hold together really well. And under, underneath decision-making, of course, is a lot of the intelligence um, elements as well. Um, what I've found through some of the, the work that I've been doing over the last number of years is um, when you talk about decision-making, that suddenly becomes much more accessible to most people than if you say competitive intelligence. And so the language... Um, I, I've said for a number of years, I think we have a marketing issue in competitive intelligence. Um, and I think that's something that we as practitioners need to improve upon. Um, however, again, I, I think this is an opportunity to bring in a, an array of elements and disciplines and knowledge from whether it's intelligence or artificial intelligence or insights and bring that together under that decision-making uh, umbrella. And with the goal at the end of the day is to help leaders grow. And to me, a leader is anyone that wants to be a leader. It doesn't mean you need to be a CEO. It's down to, if you just lead yourself, you are leading. Um, and so if we can help equip leaders to be, make better decisions, that's the, end of the, that's the goal at the end of the day. That's really, super, really cool. Super cool. Derek, if you don't mind, I want to promote this little experiment uh, called POAPS, which we are doing uh, alongside the Running Into the Fog podcast and live stream. And you see on screen there, it's pretty grainy on my screen, so it's going to catch up here soon. And you'll actually be able to scan that grainy 
thing, hopefully, uh, but a POAP is a proof of attendance protocol NFT, uh, a non-fungible token that we're using to represent your equity, by the way, by tuning into the unthinkable, uh, running into the fog live stream on social today. So I'm going to leave that up until it clears, and maybe it's cleared on your side already, guys, but it's still pretty fuzzy on mine. Um, and uh, please scan the QR code if you'd like to redeem the token. There will be two other types of POAPs that will uh, be available here as well. At 30 minutes past the hour, we're going to cut the uh, social stream. We'll go to the private Zoom webinar environment where uh, we'll start our unspeakable portion. And those of you who are here for that, you know who you are. You're already named and sort of on the attendee list uh, on the bridge. And then three of you and only three of you uh, can offer up a comment or a remark for Jonathan to actually come on camera as a contributor. Uh, and maybe you don't want to come on camera or can't uh, for whatever reason, but uh, if you come on as one of the three contributors joining us, you will be one of the six contributor POAPs that will be available for today's live stream. So again, if this is new for you, everybody, don't worry, you'll learn about it real soon and we'll be teaching and doing some lesson planning and stuff on the Open Recon platform. Uh, but I do want you to all scan that if you can and redeem that. Has that cleared up for you guys or is it still very fuzzy? And, and maybe Waleed, you can unfreeze your screen. That might be part of it too. Still fuzzy. Waleed, you might need to unfreeze your screen as I add the rest of us back in here. But Derek, uh, yeah. the floor is yours. I'm gonna leave it up on screen. So a couple things, a couple things. I wanna come back to um, two things you said. Babette, she's been a mentor to me. Uh, I know Eric, Eric's actually visited her home, I believe. Uh, been a little while since you did that, Eric, but we had Babette on. I forget the episode number that Babette came on running into the fog when we were doing the pre-recorded sessions. And once we get to, I can't do it in this first half because it breaks the policies of the first half, but I can do it in the unspeakable. Don't let me forget to bring up Babette's famous DH quotient. That's all you need to do to trigger my memory. Eric knows exactly where I'm going with that. The DH quotient is something Babette famously brought on running into the fog uh, several months back. I want to go back to something you said, Jonathan, about the inclusivity that you're aiming for with Enable Leaders. You know, you don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be a senior manager. Or, you know, any, any type of hierarchical, you know, element to this is kind of out the window. If you lead yourself, you're qualified to be part of that movement. Um, and I love, I love, love, love that about you and just how inclusive you are. Um, can you give a couple examples of how you've had people maybe that aren't coming in with that preset agenda to enable leaders, how, how they've been able to come into that environment and really use it as a place to thrive and gain something, but more importantly, see it as their mission to give back? Hmm. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I think I'll, I'll go, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, so with the, with Babette and, and actually the, the story's on, on the about page as well on, on the website, but following that conversation, that, that sent me down sort of a, a path of exploration uh, of various things, including, you know, do I go and do a PhD and do I go and do, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever it may have been. And the, the concept of Ikigai, which you may or may not be familiar with, but it's a, a Japanese concept. And, um, and I'll probably butcher the, the four overlaps, but it's basically the 
what the world needs, what you're good at, um, what you can be paid for, and I'm blanking on the fourth. Oh, thank you. That's that's so quick. So, um, yeah, what you love, what you're good at uh, can be paid for and what the world needs. And so as I thought about and considered what that looks like for me, one of the things um, that I've historically been very good at is bringing together information. And, of course, that's just how my brain is wired. And the, some, of, some of the genesis of this was um, I shared a piece of content with someone and said, this is exactly what I need right at this very moment. And I said, great, how can I do that in a more scalable way? And so that was really a light bulb moment for me in terms of starting to bring this together. So when you can bring in from a topical perspective, from an uh, author perspective, um, really great content. There's more content being created than ever, as we know, and I forget the, the stats, but it's just uh, the, the terabytes and terabytes, and I'm sure whatever's beyond that. Um, more than ever, I think it's, it's important that we have a discriminating eye towards what's really worth your time. And in a world where we have less and less time from a content perspective, that was certainly one of the, the initial thoughts and uh, perspectives. Um, as I look forward, there's some things that I have in development in terms of uh, a product, which uh, I'm hoping to have that into some sort of alpha form in the coming months. And then the other side is going to be around um, training and development. And so I've been working in leadership development for over 20 years through first the Royal Canadian Air Cadets, uh, then following into doing an education degree and then teaching. And, um, and even though I don't teach uh, actively in my role, I still teach <laughs> um, and a lot, do a lot of facilitation, uh, develop content, develop workshops and that sort of thing. Um, and so to, to bring about, I, I think your, your question was, really sort of who has benefited and, and what have the outcomes been. So right. um, to equip people, I, I have one example. I won't name the person, but uh, the person came to me and said, hey, I'm developing a workshop on topic X. Could you help me with that? And five minutes later, I go, here you go. Here's a list. Um, now, the the business person side of me says, well, you should monetize that and and I may look to do so, uh, but that was more uh, in this context. I was helping somebody that needed help, and uh, the the feedback coming back uh, was was really really positive. And so, um, yeah, I, I've I hear comments like that um, ongoing where people say, you know, I really appreciate all the resources and um, a shameless plug as well. If you follow on the LinkedIn page. There's all kinds of conferences and different things that I highlight as well. So that's another vector of, of value for the audience. Very cool. Eric, any reaction to that? Or are you, uh, you deep in the POAPs at the moment? I'm deep into getting my dog out of my office uh, while he freaks out at whatever is going on outside and getting us lined up with another contributor. By the way, Terry Thiel, who's a, probably the most consistent contributor we've had on the show since we flipped to this new format. Terry's our first contributor for Unspeakable, and I've got two more slots going quickly. Volunteer now in the chat. Um, and then I got to get 
back on the board here Understand. in the background for just a second to handle some technical stuff. Understand. So, so I'll keep kind of guiding a little bit of Q and A here with Jonathan, with with you, Jonathan, and we'll, we'll jam on this topic. Yeah, we had a little sure. bit of a, a little bit of a planning session about today. You know, I think it was yesterday, and we're we're kind of going into this realm of tech. Depending on which angle you come at tech from, tech can either be seen as uh, a, a, a devilish or an evilish sort of situation that's going on, or you can see the good in certain tech platforms, right? And I know that you choose to find those that resonate with you know, what Jonathan's all about, and uh, I'm going to use the term tech for good. Um, can we jam on that topic, that theme, just for a little bit? For our listeners and, and kind of talk through what that means to you tech for good and you know ways in which you're seeing it be revealed in your everyday life yeah so the whole concept of tech for good um i mean i i don't know who originally coined that i, I think it is a, a really positive um framing it's interesting in a world where we sort of have a, a bifurcation plus so we have tech that is maybe um, has some really negative impacts. We have some stuff that has positive impacts and then there's stuff that's sort of in the middle. Uh, Suki, Suki might disagree with me, but that's I know okay. I'm looking at Suki's um, comment here too. She might be not, uh, not seeing that from the same lens. Suki better come on in the second half and, and validate a little and bit. And I certainly welcome, welcome that discussion. Um, so I, actually a, a really interesting example that I saw this morning, um, was there was a gentleman in Japan who was having a tough time in his job. And so his response was to seek some emotional solace. And um, he actually married an avatar. And I don't know the degree of legality to that, but he married this avatar. Now, is that good, bad? I mean, you know, again, Suki may (laughs) and others may have some thoughts on that. Uh, what's really interesting in that story, though, is the fact that a few years after the API got discontinued uh, for the voice interaction piece, and so now this person has lost that relational um, sort of substitute that he had in his life. Um, so I think that's that's an example of of one where you could say, well, that's that's really great. He was able to find something that was meaningful to him. Uh, it brought him um, peace and relationship and some form of love. And then you could argue from the other side of, um, you know, more existentially, what is humanity? Aren't we make, meant to live in relationship with one another, not robots? Uh, so I think there's some different paths that you can go with that. Um, but I think if we look at, at technology, um, I'll, I'll piggyback on, on Suki's comment for, for a second. The genesis of most technologies have been to overcome a problem, typically, or to make things better in some way. And so at the outset, you know, typically that, that's fine. Um, if you look at the enabling technologies, those can be another component as well. And that, that's, a, that's a big moving piece. Um, so whether you want to talk about artificial intelligence or uh, blockchain technologies of various kinds, um, those are all enabling tech. Um, I think when we get down to more of the specific applications, though, 
like Facebook is an easy one to sort of uh, punch back and forth. So, you know, originally started as a platform where you can see your college friends. Great. Uh, and I think it was initially just Stanford and maybe one or two other campuses. Uh, obviously, that's ballooned into something else where I think it was last week it came out that uh, they have no idea what they're truly actually doing with all the data that's coming in. Um, so they, they built Pandora's box in some ways and, you know, Facebook would take the position likely that we're a platform for good. We allow you to communicate, stay in touch with people that matter to you, all of those things. And sure, there's some validity to that. Um, but it also has caused a, a significant amount of harm as well. So even if that's just from uh, an idea perspective of, um, let's say I hold an extreme view on a certain topic. I can find a Facebook group that a whole lot of people agree with me. And so to myself, to that group, and maybe to my larger community, um, that can bring harm. And so a, a really great example of this is actually the whole, and, and I'll try not to go down, down the political road too hard, but if you, if you zoom out and look high level at, at the QAnon um, conspiracy, that was something that was really enabled by a lot of technologies where uh, people were trying to make sense of the world. And I think in some cases, um, we're all trying to make sense of the world on a constant basis. However, um, I think when we get down the road of um, allowing things to sort of go hog wild and anything can be said anywhere, anytime, that's really challenging. Um, now, I'll take a hard left turn here to go back another road just for a second. From a specific technology perspective, I think there's some really amazing things that are coming out. And so being in Atlantic Canada, that's one of the, the amazing opportunities that I've had in terms of exposure over the last number of years. Um, so I look at companies like there's a, a company out of Halifax, Nova Scotia called GIT, um, and they do marine coatings. And it's an anti-fouling technology. Uh, basically, you're not going to get barnacles on the bottom of your boat. So uh, you're reducing drag, you're increasing efficiency, which reduces greenhouse gases. That's a very simple and probably undercutting their value proposition. Um, but it's a really great example of taking technology and bringing an amazing application. Um, if you look at the impact of greenhouse gases, if they were able to get um, some, the three largest shipping companies in the world, as an example, what impact would that have vis-a-vis -vis our planet? It's going to be significant. It's around 20% reduction with their product. So if we start to do the math, that's really meaningful. Um, I, I look at other technologies, just sticking with ocean tech, there's a another company that I know that works on anti-corrosion. Um, doesn't sound particularly sexy. Um, however, the, the technology that they have is uh, such that they could prevent billions and billions of dollars being spent by companies, uh, billions of dollars of steel not being produced because of they're able to detect things before they become problems. Um, so those are just two very quick examples. Um, I think the more that we can find real world problems um, 
And the intelligence side of me says, find real world problems, solve them, but also think through all the, uh, the secondary, third level, fourth level impacts of what that technology is. And I think if you look at some of the decisions that are being made uh, by people in technology, they're not necessarily thinking through uh, those other dimensions. That's awesome. And I think I remembered there are graphene materials company from your notes. Is that right? The, 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 the first note? company is, yeah. Yeah. So quick point of order before we cut uh, you social streamers uh, on the, the social networks free. Um, one last chance to scan the uh, QR code on screen is yours now before we cut the unthinkables and we add in the unspeakables and Terry Thiel uh, is up there looking like a pro and ready to go on deck. The way this works, everybody, is our uh, unspeakable contributors. There will be three of them. Suki Fuller is number two, by the way. You'll be coming in here in a second, Suki. We'll have 10 minutes with uh, Jonathan, basically, as their interlocutor. Uh, Derek and I will join in as we see a window of opportunity, but they're all yours here, Terry, in just a second. So uh, with that, it's time to say goodbye uh, to the social folks. And if you would like to uh, rejoin us on the uh, somewhat less anonymous side of things, visit openrecon.com slash R-I-T-F dash live stream. I know you heard me. Uh, and to all those uh, who are botnets, Privyet, Rosiskaya, Sietorobotov, Dasvidania, and goodbye, social streamers. We'll see you on the flip side. Thank you.